slum, 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 gullion, slum, gullion, we've got season two of the slum, gullion, Jeff and Scott still host the slum, gullion, I still don't know what that word means, do, 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 do. Slumgullion, we still got some guests on the Slumgullion, we're not showing breasts on the Slumgullion, should probably fade on the Slumgullion, Slumgullion. And welcome to the Slumgullion, America's... We're not dead. Only podcast. And we're not dead. We're a little late, but we're doing better. And this is not season three yet. This is not season three yet because no new theme song yet. So this is not an official season. This is sort of like, uh, consider this our Christmas special like Doctor Who does. Right. Except we're doing it in February. Uh, right. Or, or a vestigial organ like an appendix. Yes. Yes. This is the Slumgullion's appendix. Very good. So do not swallow gum or fingernail clippings. Or our show will become dangerously engorged, and uh, we all might die. I became dangerously engorged once. That's why I'm not allowed near grade schools. Oh. Oh. Okay. Hey, you set it up. I, I did. Just you missed us, folks, didn't you? <laughs> Until that moment, yes. So we are doing futurism this episode. For the UMC, we are doing Afrofuturism. For the front part of the show, we are doing retrofuturism. We are doing futures from the past and from a galaxy a long time ago. That's right. From the past. Well, a long time ago. From the past. So they're both from the past. Exactly. Time. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that because some of it being the future of the past is fine. Some of it being the future of the past sucks balls and we'll get to that. <laughs> okay that's my opinion first let's talk about i don't even want to say the good because i have nothing but mixed emotions about this let's talk about star wars rebels and right off the bat, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't watched the mid-season premiere, stop now. Three, two, one. Sweet prom, fuck Kanan! So Jeff texted me pretty late at night, <laughs> as is his want, and said, oh my God, Rebels. Oh my God, Rebels. And I, <laughs> I, didn't, I, hadn't, I didn't know it was back yet. So... I said, uh, oh, I'll go watch it. And then I just get perhaps one of the most cryptic yet sinister one-word texts I've ever received. The single word, brace. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I warned you. I did warn you. Yeah, I, I, I really, I asked for amplification. I said, yeah. And then I got four words and an ellipsis. <laughs> this is dot, 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 just brace. <laughs> now, as we have discussed, as regular listeners are well doubt aware, we have said that Kanan needed to die or should die. 
and would die. We were we were in a total agreement that the way the narrative had been going, his death was the only logical way for his character to conclude his arc. He had to die, partly because he was born with original sin. He represented the last of the hubris of the Jedi Order, and he was the bridge to a sort of chastened wisdom that came from their extermination. But there was no way he was going to be able to go forward. He he was too rooted in the past and and forged by that tragedy. He had no place in any Jedi future. And he's not a part of the canon. But as Jeff said, I didn't think it was going to happen this soon. It was it was a weird and God, this is going to get me some hate, but oh, well, it was a weird sense of giddiness for me. Mm-hmm. And the giddiness was because just because they had the balls to do it this soon. Anyone who's been listening to the show and and who knows me knows that I would love nothing more than for them all to die. Because it just it puts the, the cherry on top of the Sunday that is the desperate serial failures of the rebellion until they just pulled some space magic out of their ass at the very end. I mean, basically, <laughs> they shouldn't have won at all. They shouldn't have won. And right. and the fact that they did, uh, there was a certain amount of cheating and, and thumbs on the scale and and some questionable scores by the East German judges. Nevertheless, I was rooting for the Rebels. I was glad they left. But... If they all died, I would I would really admire Disney for allowing that. I don't for a second think it's going to happen, uh, which is part of the reason I want it to happen so badly, just because it would. That's the one thing that would really surprise me. But I was absolutely convinced Kanan was going to die. Ezra, I don't know. I mean, he's a kid. It's hard to think that Disney's going to have the cojones to kill a kid on a Disney Channel show. Like I told you off air, the only known survivors that we know to make it past Jedi are uh, Hera and Chopper. Right, and, and we only know Chopper makes it to to uh, to uh, Star Wars. We don't know we don't know if he makes it through the trilogy. So Hera is technically the only one that I can think of that I know of the Ghost Crew that makes it post Jedi. Right now, well, w- well, we know Chopper made it as far as. Uh, the Rogue, Rogue One, One period, right? Um, and you said that they have retconned Hera into the Battle of Endor. Is that correct? Like I said, so yeah, she's around post Jedi. I do not know of any other mentions of any of the other characters, which and that's another reason why I fucking love the way they got rid of Kanan because it really puts this puts this last group of episodes into the um, in a pure Joe Bob Briggs territory. Anybody can and die at any time in these episodes now. Yes. Yeah, it really... Putting me- Kanan this early in this block means that's it. <laughs> we know we're done and we're not we're not holding back. And that that's really kind of interesting to me. Oh, it was fascinating to me after I got over the shock. Actually, I'm not really sure I'm over the shock. He did, he did die in a, in a heroic way. Uh, oh, I'm still hurting. I'm still hurting. This one's going to hurt. I love the character, Partly because he was so gloriously fucked up. He he was the cure that the Jedi needed because he was insecure and pessimistic and 
certain of his own failure. And that's opposed to people like Obi-Wan and Yoda in the original trilogy era. As much as I And Kit Fisto. You just like saying Kit Fisto. You don't really care about the character. You just like to say that name. Absolutely. And I don't blame you for a moment. (laughs) But those people, as much as, as they had blood on their hands and mistakes in their past, there still was Kit a, <laughs> there still was a certain amount of arrogance, really. As shown by Kit Fisto. Okay, so that, I'm done. That's your I'm answer. done. The, the joke is over. That is not my answer to everything. My answer to everything is butterscotch. Go ahead with your point, Scott. Ah, uh... It doesn't seem important now in a post-Kit Fisto universe. But... Nothing is important in a post-Kit Fisto universe, except for Kit, Kit Fisto. Fisto. Yeah, so the Jedi were so insufferable. They were part of what made the prequels such a slog, because I just wanted them all to die. Lucas thought of the whole thing as a great tragedy. It wasn't. The great tragedy was that it took him so long to kill those bastards. They were just smug inflexible, holier-than-thou bathrobe-wearing bureaucrats who sat around their ivory tower arguing the finer points of their arcane theology while the the world literally burned around them and evil triumphed. Everything Luke said about them in The Last Jedi is absolutely true. So I liked Kanan a lot because he was the antithesis of all of that. Back before the Star Wars books pissed me off and I stopped reading them, I did read the Kanan novel, A New Dawn, and it's actually a really good book as well. You know what? There's probably a lot of them. Are good. It really was only that one that pissed you off, right? Why don't you give the rest of them a chance? Well, no, it wasn't the book that pissed me off. It was the people. It was the 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 people behind the scenes that pissed me off. And I'm not giving them a second chance because I know it's not the writer's fault. But I'm being a dick, and it's a principal thing. All right. There's something about Star Wars that brings out the dick in people. Anybody who's read any comment thread of Star Wars fans, it oh, yeah. the one thing it seems to do is brings together a galaxy of dickishness. Yeah, Anyways. but my dickishness is based on principle, not based on race. That's right. I went there and I did the investigation to prove it. Bite me if you think I'm wrong. Uh, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to bite you. And I'm not going to kid fist you. Ah, so yes, exactly. No, I, I'm I I'm also like I said a very big fan of of, of Kanan, and much like my shepherd in Mass Effect Two, I needed the character to die to bring closure to this particular story. Uh, but like, but not this. Not this way at all. And I totally give them, uh, I give them, that's why I'm putting this so much into Joe Bob territory, having the balls to do it in this manner this early on. I mean, we may see everybody except Hera drop. We may. And I actually, at this point, don't know what story is left to to wrap up. What, What are they even trying to do? Yeah, we really do. We really now that they've got Hera back, it's going to be uh, dealing dealing with Kanan or dealing with Kanan's death and the build up to the Death Star, and then somehow explaining why if Ezra survives, he plays no part in the future rebellion or the resurrection of the Jedi. I mean, we know that we know that Vader is coming back. 
Oh, that's right. Yes. All right. Well, that's fun. And and Palpatine is officially showing up. Yeah. I don't know. Palpatine is just, he's just this, he's a little ripe for me. I mean, I don't mind a little scenery chewing. Playing Emperor's Advocate here for a second. Mm-hmm. And only for a second. Uh, I will put forth that this is original trilogy Emperor, not sequel trilogy Emperor. So he does not quite have more uh, ham than a Jimmy Dean sausage factory yet. And also, this particular incarnation of the Emperor is voiced by Sam Witwer, who also voiced Maul in The Clone Wars and Rebels. And did a very good job. His, his interpretation of Maul, in, especially in Rebels, this older, not necessarily wiser. Yeah, the cartoon made him interesting, and I'm sorry, I, was, I, I, I actually felt a little something for him during his uh, final meeting with Obi-Wan. Oh, so did I. That, that was, it, it, was, it was so brief, brutal, and yet oddly touching, and they spent exactly the right amount of time on it, I thought. Yes. So when I hear that they're going to do live action Star Wars series, I think, well, that could be fun. And certainly we're at a technological point where the effects are no longer a huge costly impediment to a weekly series. But I still feel like they've got a proven track record in animation. Maybe they should just stick with that. See, I think the live action show that I want and I know we won't get it now, but we might get, I'd love, I still want a form of it just because I think it would be neat and different is that show that Lucas wanted to do that. He has all the scripts written for the one that was all about the underbelly of Coruscant. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the Skywalkers. It was its own little piece of the star Wars universe. And that sounded massively fascinating to me. Uh, it did. It, it just worried me. I, I just worried me when I when I heard that he had all the scripts. Well, if you've had input to the scripts, this uh, yeah. is a reason to panic and run screaming from the room. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of panicking and running screaming from the room, how'd you like that segue? That was uh, that was one of your best, actually. <laughs> so you uh so you finally you you finished discovery correct it against my better judgment hooked me enough that i wanted to know how they brought it off but boy every, they there was enough stuff every episode that scared the crap out of me that they were going to just make a complete mess of it that there was a lot of, there was a lot of suspense that had nothing to do with storytelling <laughs> now, um, before the hate begins, because we both know that there are a lot of people and a lot of people that we know who love the show, I'm going to say right off the bat, good for you. Happy for you. Seriously, considering how long it's been since Star Trek has been on TV, glad you like it. More power to you. Yeah. That being said, as most people are well aware, the only Star Trek series that I can say I truly love is Deep Space Nine. I am not a lifelong Trek fan. Scott, you would consider yourself a lifelong Trek fan, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so we have a lifelong Trek fan and somebody who's most who's most impressed by the most storytelling driven Star Trek series, in my opinion. Deep Space Nine was the first series that was in any way that in any way attempted serial storytelling. And uh, honestly, I think I think that what it did 
I know this is going to get me some hate, but I think the Dominion War had a more lasting effect than um, the Best of Both Worlds two-parter. I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, come on. The Best of Both Worlds, that was a two-parter. You know, I mean, they got Picard back. And yes, there were ramifications. Don't get me wrong, but let's be real here. They dealt with the Borg threat, which could have destroyed the entire galaxy in two episodes. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of sad. And and as much as the, the episodes get praise, and deservedly so, it was a kind yes. of a piss-poor effort. But that's not what they were in the business of doing. Star Trek, and when people say, why can't we go back to the optimistic Trek, to the Trek where they're spreading the the good news of the Federation, where they are exploring and meeting new people and continually having their principles challenged, what they're really asking for uh, is an episodic approach where there are closed hermetic stories told one after another after another. And it's not a it's not a big continuing story. The the Deep Space Nine was the first time where I really felt like, oh, what happened last week is going to influence what's going to happen this week. And then sometimes it was one big continuous story. They had arcs, but you know what? When people point to things like uh, the best of both worlds, they'll bring that up, and I'm and I'm saying, okay, that's not an example of serial storytelling. Every no. crappy sitcom in the '80s had a two parter, when there'd be some lame cliffhanger and a to be continued. You know, the the Brady Bunch had one when they went to Hawaii. Hell, they had three-part. That was a three-parter, dude. I, I take back everything I just said then. I'm very sure. Yeah, the, the, I, I know uh, the, the, the Hawaiian episode and the Grand Canyon episode. Those were three-part adventures. Those were movies. I always get those two confused. about what Well, happened. they are basically the same story, except the Hawaiian. The only reason I know the difference between the two of them is because the Hawaiian one has Vincent Price. Yes. Anyway, so we, we've discussed Discovery before. When we reached the first half of Discovery, we, uh, for me, the only thing that was really keeping me was Lorca. Yes. And Lorca was, again, the big draw of, of season two, because I'm not going to lie. I spoke, I said this to you off air, that the reveal that our Lorca was, in fact, the mirror universe Lorca made everything that Jason Isaacs did in the first half of the season make sense. It, Yeah, it's weird because I liked the character so much. That when I found out that he was sort of a standard issue bad guy with with above average manipulative abilities, I was a little sad because Understood. I get it. Because when you look back at what at, at everything he did, and you're helped in looking back because they uh, <laughs> the, the, the editors very kindly provided uh, flashbacks to key moments um, when that's uh, fucking cool, man. That's fucking cool. Uh, yeah, fortunately, the spirit is that. Um, I just thought, oh, yeah, it makes sense that Lorca had this agenda and that he was leading him toward this. And it makes sense why the real Federation characters like Stamets disliked him intensely and thought he was amoral, if not, as Stamets called him, an out-and-out warmonger and very unbecoming a Starfleet officer. Whereas I just thought he was the kind of person who who floats to the top in a wartime situation. However embarrassing they are in peacetime, they're the kind of people you need to win a war. 
That's what I. That's what I thought Lorca was. I had no clue that they were going to do this. And what? Yeah, what I'm. They- I'm a little bit mad. I, well, I. I admit it would have been nice if he. If he'd been Section Thirty One, I wish they would have gone the Section Thirty One route personally. That's personally. Do you think but- they were trolling us by having the um, the registration number of Discovery be what is it uh, ten thirty one something thirty one. I think they were, yes. I think they were trolling us too. And yes, I don't mind, but it's a little cruel. But so, like I said, basically the first half, we're, we're ignoring the Klingons, even though they ended with the Klingons. Oy. But the first half, my big draw was Lorca. And no, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the, I enjoyed the Mirror Universe episodes. I did too. And I, and I have to say that as much as there have been a few funny things in, in the show, nothing made me laugh harder than the fact that Mirror Universe Sarek had a goatee. <laughs> and of course, and of course, the fact that Michelle, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh's return. And she got to kick ass. Yes, yes. So I want, we may have lost Lorca, but we still have Michelle Yeoh, and we know that she's going to be around for season two. You just know she's going to, they're, they're not going to leave her alone. I hope they don't, because having a self-serving, if not villainous, character like that running around in the federation or on the fringes of it fascinates me and i hope they do something with her you know the the mirror universe episodes as much as i like them i did find myself sitting there thinking wow this is really getting melodramatic yes this is this is some opera style evil and frankly if if emperor ming the merciless sashayed onto the set at this moment and started issuing orders, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. There was a bit of a Mongo quality about their Earth, but I am happy about one thing. As much as I didn't want to see Lorca go, that's a pretty damn good death. Yes, yes, very much so. And like, and and as sad as I was to see Lorca go, as as he was, like I said, the one character that I was interested in, just the fact that they they gave you Michelle Yeoh back, I'm like, all right, it's not, it's kind of an okay trade off, kinda. Yeah, Star Trek giveth and Star Trek taketh away. Not to mention that there is the possibility that, you know, uh, the normal universe Lorca is still out there, possibly. So we may get Jason Isaacs back. I would be kind of interested to see what normal Lorca's like, maybe. I don't know. But, so, and then as much as I was expecting them to spend the back half of, of the uh, season in the Mirror Universe, nope, it was only a couple episodes. They popped back because they have to end the Klingon War in one episode. Yeah, I was talking to John today, and he was saying, so they've got this enormous armada in near-Earth orbit, and they're about to conquer their enemy's home planet, and suddenly they get uh, communication saying, oh, we're all together now. Come on back. We're going to have marshmallow and weenie roast, and all the houses are going to talk about our feelings. And they go, oh, okay. And they all turn away from Earth. And they're like, that is the lamest ending to a war ever. And this gets to a point, this is something I've been thinking about ever since I saw the, the last episode. So I'll just get this out of the way. Because of the ship design, because of the Star Wars-like holographic communications and the Minority Report style floating touchscreens, I kept forgetting that this was supposed to be set in the past. Yep. 
of the future between, I guess, between Enterprise and the original series. And it would ten only... year ten years pre ten right. years pre at Star Wars Star Trek right it was ten years and it would only occasionally be that I would I that I was jarringly reminded that yes they the creators went backwards in the timeline of Star Trek to found a new series and really how incredibly unnecessary that was there's no reason that this the story that they chose to tell could not have been told in a post Voyager time period i completely agree with you and i think i would actually like the show a lot better if it had done that me too because there's i they think would have, i would like the show a lot better yeah there would have been a lot less that we would have to ignore and excuse and just roll our eyes at and and if they were going to do this story in this timeline they should have committed to their retro futurism and told the story of the earth romulan war Go way back. Hell, hell, they could have started after Voyager and they could have started a new war with the Romulans in the future present, shall we call it, since they wrapped up this war in a single season. You know, how hard would it be? Apparently, wars are not that big a deal. You can be very Let's concise. Let's be honest. All the Romulans have to do is find out about how the Federation got them into the Dominion War. Right, they have a legitimate beef there. Come all that, all that, all they need to do is have that come out, and all bets are off. I would kind of be on their side. They got a raw deal. They were played. Hey, so. Paramount story there. Just saying. So the thing about this that baffles me is why did they tell this story? What do we know now about the Federation? and about Starfleet, and about people uh, from that era, and that whole universe that we didn't know before. was Because there were so many winks and nods and Easter eggs to continuity and canon that there was almost no new information. They didn't take it forward in any way. Am I wrong? Actually, no, I can't. I cannot argue that even if I wanted to, which I can't, which I don't want to, because, again, by, I, when I was like I said, I enjoyed the Mirror Universe episodes. I was kind of on board with the back half of the season. I'm like, well, my God, this is a hell of a lot better than season one of the next gen. And then they did that damn finale. And okay, Scott, you are a lifetime um, Star Trek fan. Did that ending get to you? Did it work for you? By the ending, I, I assume you mean when they, they get a distress call, they drop out of warp, they're being hailed by Captain Pike, and the USS Enterprise shows up. That's yes. what you're referring to, the very end. Okay. Seeing the Enterprise, in, in a in not, not in any way its original form, but in a recognizable uh, facsimile of its classic lines, reminded me just how ugly all the new ships are. <laughs> okay look at those sleek classic lines man that was a revolutionary design and they've spent this ep they spent this series pretty much screwing that up because there's very few star trek fans who see that and don't want to at least get a peek inside the enterprise and don't want to see you know weird shouty spock with his incredibly angled eyebrows and also i i think we're all we all feel like we're owed an explanation about why Spock never mentioned his sister. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of confrontation between the two of them. I did not feel like it was 
offensive. I felt like it was panic on their part. Okay. It didn't inspire me. It didn't thrill or anger me. It just made me think, you guys don't know what you don't you don't know what you're doing. And and the thing that really got me at the end, in addition to the whole enterprise just making me kind of want to vomit a little, it did. It didn't work for me at all. I didn't even think panic. I just thought, really? Really? You're going to, well, I guess we got to find out the whole Spock deal. So, all right, fine. But this is how you're going to end it. Okay. But the thing that kind of infuriated me, and this is my, uh, this is my PC gay man coming out, is that we were told that there was a long game about the whole murder. Mm, were we? We were told, oh, yeah, because they got the backlash for killing, you know, introducing a gay character only to kill him off. Right. And the producers responded by saying, come on, we've got gay actors on the show. We, you think we'd do that? We're playing the long game. There is a story here. And um, we got nothing. I will, Well, I won't say we got nothing. I mean, Hugh did reappear, and he was crucial to Stamets finding his way out of the Spore universe or wherever the hell he was supposed to be. But I don't think we got enough to justify fridging Hugh. And, and, and then at the end, he gets a posthumous medal. Maybe that's what they meant. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no clue. It they, just it got to the end of the season. It really did. And I'm not one to say this because most of the time I don't care. But even I was going for the backlash. This one. Yeah, it does kind of feel feel you just kind of killed off a gay character to kill off the gay character. And I felt bad about I felt bad for Anthony Rapp because he spent a, a lot of the last four or five episodes laying in bed wearing those uh, what I'm sure were painful white milky white contacts and having people talk about him. Well, you know, that's how you're going to pay this month's rent. I don't blame him at all. But I have to say that when I liked Stamets, he was a prickly, snappish, smarter than thou character. And I did not appreciate him being sidelined because that left us with a lot of other characters who I found in some cases unappealing. I've got to say that as much as I like, as much as I like Burnham, I, I like the actress and she gave her all in with that character. Yes. Yes. Um, I have never been through such an emotional rock tumbler with a character. And she's supposed to have all of these Vulcan resources for controlling and containing and managing emotions. And she was she was the biggest every single episode. She was she was just being ripped apart emotionally. And I'm thinking, well, then they gave her, why did they give her that background if it never really has anything to do with the story? If she, if it doesn't play a crucial role, I kept thinking somehow that was going to, to be a key to them finding their way out of whatever predicament they were in. No, it really wasn't. It was just her having everybody betray her or screw with her or yell at her or shun her or... When that wasn't happening, she was tearing herself apart for having killed her captain, which, frankly, she didn't do, or starting the war, which, frankly, again, I'm not sure she did, really. Right. She was, it's like, okay, I don't mind that she was a mutineer. I just didn't like that she was a drama queen. <laughs> That needs to go on a T-shirt. Yeah. 
I will give this a chance. Next I was going to say, I mean, that's the one thing is that we can both say is that we didn't hate it. And it was a hell of a lot better than season one of Next Gen. Oh, I hated that. That that was the first show I ever hate watched. <laughs> before before I'd ever heard the term, I did not miss a single episode simply for so I could scream at my television. And God knows that first season gave you ample opportunity to scream. I, uh, 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 uh. And then I remember, and then I remember in season two when it started getting good, I had the doctor that I hated. Oh, right. Blasky, was it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was nothing against the actress. It was entirely because Gates McFadden is from Cuyahoga Falls, where I'm from, and that made me happy. (laughs) That's right. I forgot. I knew you had some lame reason for liking her, and I forgot what it was. Um, I I don't mean lame in the sense that... It's, oh, no, it's pretty lame, I admit But, it. I mean, I, I knew it had nothing to do with her acting, which... Right, right, right. And also, I mean, I'm sorry, Pulaski just felt like McCoy with tits. Uh, which is not as much fun as it sounds. No, 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 it is not. But anyway, like I said, it's, it's, it's you know, you, you folks who were loving it, good on you, seriously, were not liking it, but were not hating it, which for was a lot better than I was expecting, it's especially than- after the pilot. Yes, it's better than I was expecting, and it also is a, a dilemma that I really don't need because if I hated it, I I, I don't hate watch anymore. I'm I'm past it. Life, life's too short. I'm too old, uh, I, and there's a lot too much stuff on my DVR that's good that I'm looking forward to. So if I had hated this show, that would have been it. I would have had that all that time free. But but I I'm in the there's things I like about it. And there's I like to kind of see where they go. So. I'm still kind of trapped in the matrix. And indeed. And all I got to say is, is uh, is, as long as they keep Michelle Yeoh, I'll be happy. Yes. Seconded. Signed. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, all right. I am going to let you join the other kitties. Yes. For a very exciting discussion about a very exciting thing. I am not involved in that very exciting discussion about that very exciting thing because I was told I am not exciting enough. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Were you talking? talking? <laughs> and I'm too white. But anyway, all I will say before that conversation starts is it was good. Well, now we don't need the discussion. Shit. <laughs> It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. Challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. Challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. Challenge. That's right. It's the unknown movie. Challenge. It's the unknown movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie. Challenge. It's the unknown movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie. Challenge. It's the unknown movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie. Challenge. That's right. It's the, the Unknown Movie Challenge. Ready for battle. And welcome to the Unknown Movie Challenge. This week, it's Marvel's The Black Panther. And as always, it's spoilers ahoy. Unfortunately, <laughs> Jeff could not be with us tonight, so accepting the award for Mr. Holland is the new movie crew. John Zura, Blanche Ramirez, and Mary Clevenger. Before we begin, the management has asked me to make a couple of brief announcements. First... I'm in week three of a nasty cold, so if you hear any moist, inhuman trumpeting sounds issuing from my nasal passages like Tony Randall and the Odd Couple, I apologize in advance. Uh, Second, 
Mary bit her tongue, and it's all swollen and gross. Oh, so nice. if she sounds a little like John Hurt in The Elephant Man, I hope you'll <laughs> pardon her. <laughs> nah. And John and Blanche, are, are you guys okay? What, what, what are your physical ailments? Well, I could be better. <laughs> Blanche is sultry. Sultry. Yes. Thanks, Anna. And, and I'm as goofy as always. All right. Um, but I'm glad to see Mary back from her, uh, her assignment. I hope it was somewhere in the Bahamas. No, it was oh. somewhere in hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do you send her on such assignments? Really, uh, Scott, that's awful. Because she's got that can-do <laughs> attitude. She never says no. <laughs> she, she's like Jim Felt. Um, there was a tragedy last night before the movie. John was involved in an altercation between a bacon-wrapped <gasps> hot dog from a street cart and an uneven cement block of celebrity footprints in the forecourt of the Chinese theater. But I, I think the hot dog was the only real casualty. That's true. Do, I, you, do you know what celebrity tripped you? Who, who, who was the treasurer's bastard? No, I didn't look back we because I, I didn't want to be bitter. I should have paid attention. That was good. <laughs> but I will say that the young man who is, is his job is to be out there and just assist randomly was a wonderful. He helped John up. Yeah. Um, John said, I'm so sorry for the mess. And he said, don't worry, we'll take care of that. And I, you know, I picked up John's things and I thought I had picked up all of his things. And and we went and John went. He's like, because cause darn it, his number one task that night was to get a street dog. You know, mm-hmm. that's what he wanted. So we went back to find the vendor and get another one. And the guy, he found us. He found us and said, did you lose your validation <gasps> for the parking? Oh, wow. He found us. And gave John back his parking validation. So kudos to the Chinese theater. That guy, whoever you are, who was working that night, last night. What was the date? February 16th. 16th, at, for the, right before the 715 showing of Black Panther. You are wonderful. I'm sure you're not paid enough. He was so kind. He was so helpful. And he, he made an otherwise unfortunate and possibly a little bit embarrassing experience pleasant <laughs> you know there, it's it, i'm torn bet- about the chinese theater because on the one hand it seems to inspire tripping yes it does. There, there are a lot of trip and fall hazards there but they are very solicitous when when um, uh mary fell and fractured her ankle in three places during wonder woman uh they couldn't have been nicer Oh, by the way, and this is just for you history buffs out there, uh, thanks to that uh, Your Memories feature on Facebook, uh, I noted that uh, one year ago today we were gathered at the Chinese Theater to see The Great Wall with Matt Damon. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It was so bright. It was. And I I love uh, Pedro Pascal. I can't, I can never, I just can't get enough of that guy. He's... Adorable. It's good that we're spreading ourselves out over different ethnicities, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, Pedro Pascual had a better role in that movie than he had in um, Kingsman. The, the yeah, line, he did. Kingsman's yeah. Sequel, so. Um And if you'd like to check out our take on that deathless classic, The Great Wall, it's episode 26 on our website, theslumgullion.com. But enough of... Reminiscing. S- reminiscing, serious injury... And uh, fallen food. Let's get to what we're here to talk about. 
so we went to see at at the what what is now the TCL Chinese Theater on Hollywood Boulevard, formerly Grauman's Chinese, one of one of the signature sites uh, of Hollywood, one of the most historic theaters in Christendom, <laughs> and we had I think what you would call a not typically but uniquely uh, Hollywood experience. Uh, yeah, seriously, only in LA type of deal. Well, yeah. New York. Probably. Sorry, Derek. Yeah, we, we got there. We sat down. The manager walked down front uh, with a microphone and greeted everybody the way they do before every show. And this time, they were, he was very careful to warn us that anyone using a cell phone would be summarily ejected from the theater, probably through a plate glass window like Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. Then after, after frightening any potential pirates, the previews of coming attractions started. You know, they were a mixed bag as usual. But it ended with the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, which seemed to get people pretty pumped for the upcoming feature. And certainly I was. And then the house lights came back up and the curtain slowly closed over the screen. And I audibly groaned. As the manager came back out, I'm thinking, wait You're thinking, kill- oh no. You wait to kill the buzz, dude. How intimidated <laughs> by copyright laws do I have to be before you'll be willing to expose me to your intellectual property? But um, weren't you expecting some sort of an apology, like, oh no, we've run into some sort of technical difficulty? Yes. That's mm-hmm. what I was expecting. Exactly. It was like, oh no, no, don't tell me. Amy, go ahead. And then he says, uh, we have a surprise for you or a special treat or something that, that didn't indicate uh, technical difficulties. And he turned to the side and he motioned someone over and introduced the president of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, which caught the audience off guard. I think that's fair to say. Uh, there, were, <laughs> there were other audible gasps, but not of exasperation this time. And the crowd went wild. And Feige took the microphone and... Uh. <laughs> and introduced Ryan Coogler, the writer-director Ooh. of Black Panther, and the crowd went really wild this time. Yay. And he came out, and I thought, oh, he'll talk about the movie. And so he was basically there to turn and introduce Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther himself, who Ooh. came out to introduce the movie, and the crowd politely lost their shit. And we were thinking that, yeah, this is an L.A. thing. So uh, just another night out in Hollywood. Uh, actually, you guys are probably you, you guys go to SAG screening. So do you get do some of the filmmakers show up at those? Do they introduce them or or do Q&A's afterwards? Oh, certainly. We've uh, talked to Ian McKellen. We've talked to uh, Gary Goldman. They have several. Sometimes the director, sometimes the actors. It's cool. Oh, that's right. You almost yeah. you almost ran over Eddie Redmayne once. I we did almost run, run over Eddie Redmayne. Yes. Eddie Redmayne is very kind and solicitous of his fans. And uh, in his zeal to reach some screaming girls on the sidewalk uh, uh, after a screening and Q&A, he ran behind our car as we were backing out. And John nearly ran him over. And I was like, dude, you almost killed Eddie Redmayne. What? That is not a headline we want. <laughs> no, no. Although some would argue he has it coming for his performance in uh, Jupiter Ascending. But uh, yeah. I, you know, I would argue that he had it coming for that movie. That was for the Danish girl. Mm-hmm. I was not impressed, actually. No. Yeah, I was like crazy about him in um, Fantastic Beasts. 
and where to find them. I thought he was kind of one note, and I didn't really like the note he chose. But um, uh, well, the quirks that he had that made him interesting—you're mm-hmm. going, you're starting to see them in basically everything he yes. does. And it's not, it's no longer translating well. Or you're going, oh, so that's just what you do. Now you're just a mannered actor. Yeah, exactly. You're franchising your quirks. And you can make that work, for sure. I mean, lots of actors have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Nicholas Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> yeah. Good example. You know, uh, De Niro, uh, Pacino, all these people have their thing that they do. But uh, but he's he's still trying to do very serious and, you know, indie type stuff. And uh, it does, I don't know. We get tired of it if you're if that's what you're trying to do, I think. You know what? Actually, let's begin with that. How did you feel speaking from the actor's perspective about the performances? Well, I think that, that one of the things that happens very often in films uh, and apparently that it extended over into animated films too, where there would be one comic character uh, mm. that would just be annoying and uh, that, you know, the acting didn't have to be that good because they were just there to be, oh, that that wacky little friend, whatever. And uh, and this this did not have that. I mean, every single one of them had their own characters, and they had and they uh, they were very believable. Every to the to the little sister to uh, to the uh, antagonist, who yeah, I bought totally as just being a little, one of the street guys who happened to go to the military, etc. Oh, Michael so, B. Jordan. The, yeah, right. Who's Wonderful, wonderful. Michael B. Jordan was in uh, the director's first full-length feature, uh, Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. And trivia, which is purely, I'm sure, coincidental, but kind of poetic and awesome, is that, you know, the movie starts in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, the director's from Oakland. So that makes sense. And Fruitvale Station takes place in that horrible, tragic event in Oakland, uh, New Year's Day, where the police killed the the young man um but you know the black panther party started in oakland oh different time period obviously but still kind of wonderfully like oh my gosh like blew my brain when i saw that i was like ah because it's purely coincidental it has to be yeah (laughs) Um, well yeah maybe not that they decided to place it in oakland because and maybe they decided you know black panther party was born in oakland Let's start this one in Oakland. You know, maybe the writers decided to do that, but the director too. Holy mackerel! Anyway, what I liked, uh, who's who plays the uh, leader of his bodyguard? Stuff? You guys don't watch The Walking Dead. No, no. is she? Is she a? Cast She's member? Michonne. Oh yes, my god! Right. Oh, okay. Michonne. Without any hair. The the actress's name is Danae Guerrera as Okoye. As I leaned into John while we were watching, I'm like. You know, she learned all those moves from killing zombies. <laughs> <laughs> she was She's great fa- with the katana sword. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah she is. <laughs> well, her her uh, physical performance in that very taxing physical role was incredibly believable. I mean, obviously, it's you know, a lot of wire work and and stunt work and uh, a lot of CGI. But some of it with just her uh, wielding the, the the spear was done very stylishly. She she whipped that thing around with tremendous authority, and I believed she. There's never a, a moment where I, some people are, oh, you're supposed to be a badass, and, and yet in those scenes where they 
have to wield their weapon for for medium shots or close-ups and you go ah you don't know what the hell you're doing you see that a lot and then you start unconsciously at least i do start looking for the stunt people anytime the action gets interesting mm-hmm. i didn't even think about it with her i mean obviously she that was a, she's that done was a, a lot but yeah she really she said she came she saw she conquered she was very badass i completely believed her as the uh as the head of this all-female uh security secret service i loved her line when she says guns so primitive yes (laughs) there's no artistry to it (laughs) yeah how awesome we've had two movies with strong woman warriors you know wonder woman the wonder woman Uh uh-huh and then this movie comic book movies yeah where ordinarily you know if you get women characters they're weak or they're objectified you didn't get that at all here john makes a very good point i didn't even think about that this is the thing that always just bedevils me when it comes to action movies it's it's the wacky sidekick it's the comic relief it's just it's the character you want to punch and there was a lot of humor in this movie but it was all uh integrated and organic and earned i mean the his his sister was funny without being a comic relief character she was funny because she was making jokes at his expense she was being a bratty little little sister yeah who respects him clearly but she's ass kick yes but she's obviously uh-huh. much smarter than him and and, and oh. it was great because she was although yes as you say she's smarter than him and she'll never be the throne because it's still patriarchal mm-hmm. and we can argue how fair or not that is but even even while this this film shows how capable women are it still holds that age old you know i can't wait till they do the native american hero thing where it's you know matriarchal mm-hmm. which is what a lot of Native American tribes were not all, all some, but it was all yeah organic. Hey, you may be the king, but you're still my brother, and I'm gonna razz you till you die. <laughs> right, and she was able to she was able to to uh, carry off the excitement and joy in what she does without where they usually take that when that character's there, the techie character, who just gets you know speaks very fast and jumps all over the place and says, oh, I, and I did this and I did that, you know, I fixed this. She was able to just play it like. This is great. I did this wonderful thing just for you. And that's exactly how people would be. Yeah. Did yeah. they hint at the... Uh, here's a question about... She mentioned, just like those films Father used to watch, you know. Uh, was she talking about James Bond? Because she's basically Q. I, th- I was wondering the same thing. Because I couldn't quite place what she was saying. And I'm wondering, maybe you're talking about... James Bond and Q, but it didn't seem to connect directly. Oh, in that in that instance, oh, I, I, I did. Oh, I did make the connection at the time, and I cannot remember what it, what it was. I, it, yeah, it, it's a very indirect reference to something, but I, but I thought I got it at the time. I will have to see the movie again. But um, but what you thought was not necessarily was not James, James Bond. Bond. No, it was something else. Okay, because yeah, because I thought okay, James Bond, but that didn't seem quite right in that moment. But she is, you know, the Q character, the mm-hmm. quartermaster. She's yeah. got all the, hey, I made some updates on this awesome little device that I created. And and then teased it by saying, go ahead and punch it. Now, you know, it, <laughs> it, it absorbs she... kinetic energy. Punch it again, right in the same spot. Hold on. I'm going to videotape. And I know how very well that's what that's younger siblings do. Because my brother, <laughs> just recently when I went to go, my brother is a doctor. But I went to his office. And for treatment, and he said, "Oh, hey, um, if you've got time, can you eat this ghost chili chip while I record it?" 
<laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I'm the idiot, you know. Um yeah, okay, that's probably fine. However, thank goodness his next patient showed up. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how old you are, younger siblings are younger siblings and they're gonna record you being an idiot or <laughs> an asshole. Yeah. And that's what they do. He's like, he wanted to eat this ghost chili chip. <laughs> And record it so he could post it on social media. Of course, of course, of course. Oh, hey, speaking of that, did did your um, <laughs> did your uh, cell phone footage of the uh, introduction to the movie come out? Uh, you know, I have. A, oh, you know, I was I was trying to upload it to mm-hmm. send it to you. So I know you want to share with the world and you wonderful listeners. Um, I, I'm working on it. That's a, um, yeah. Okay. Well, if we do get the footage of. Um, of Kevin Feige, it's- Ryan Coogler, and uh, Chadwick Boseman introducing the movie at the Chinese Theater. We will post it on the website. I will apologize in advance for the low quality of the footage. I seriously was probably trembling. Uh, it was <laughs> certainly by surprise. I whipped out my cell phone, and it was low light, and so I didn't have the proper settings. But you can hear them for sure. You can see fuzzy people. And then I realized, I can zoom in. Oh, my gosh. This is how flustered I was. But, yeah, you'll see. You Daddy. can see fuzzy people on Duck Dynasty. That's no thrill. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but those are fuzzy white people. These are fuzzy black people. It's true. It's true. It's a new experience. This movie was <laughs> This movie was a new experience in so many ways. That's part of the reason the audience was so excited, because they were going to see, you know, representation is important. But it's... Yeah, it's, it is. It's not just... I mean, for... And as important as repre- representation is, and it's absolutely crucial, and thank God we're getting to the point where where everybody is being able to to see themselves on the screen. From the perspective of somebody who's seen plenty of myself on the screen and is kind of bored with me, I have to say, this this is going to sound weird, but there's a scene in the movie very early on when uh, he goes through the coronation process. Part of it is an offer of any other tribe to challenge him for the throne. And the gorilla guys take him up on it. And there's a, they turn off um, the waterfall and there's a, a fight on the edge of this high precipice while people, the VIPs from each tribe stand on ledges, chanting and dancing and wearing brilliantly colored uh, African inspired costumes. And it made me feel a little, like I did when I was watching Coco. And I realized that's an odd comparison to make because Coco is a stylized interpretation Mm -hmm. of a real place and a real culture. Well, Wakanda is a stylized hybrid of a lot of cultural influences. But I still felt that mildly stunned sensation of seeing something I'd never seen before on a movie screen. On on this scale, at four quadrant, ten pole, multi million dollar franchise size, and long overdue, and long overdue, and, and I, I mean, you know, I mean, James Bond won't go to Africa, at least not for the entire film. Um, <sighs> Shaft will go to Africa. Shaft, Shaft did, in fact, go to Africa, but at a much lower budget. I think Feige, when he came out, he said, "This is our 18th film in the Marvel universe." So we've seen we've seen a lot of them. We've seen good ones, a few great ones. We've seen, you know, a couple that were okay. But we've seen basically, you know, a, a lot of the same types characters. of people and a, a lot of the same characters and a lot of the same... We still haven't seen the female. Yes. In Marvel. In Marvel. 
Yeah. Oh, and they're feeling the heat now. Now they're 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 talking about finally getting the uh, Black Widow movie uh, going. But it's 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 like what's the point? Because uh, one of the uh, trailers before we saw Black Panther was for Red Sparrow, and it's sort of like, well, that's kind of st- Which stolen. Is basically, mm-hmm. yeah. The people are going to say, oh yeah, I've seen that movie. Well, it was and it cool. worries me that <laughs> because what if Red Sparrow does not do well? <sighs> you know, and that's going to be their excuse for not doing it. But uh-huh. that's bullshit because how many male-driven movies have crashed? That's a baloney argument that they all. That's the same reason why when a film led by a minority crashes, they. See, people don't go to see minority speared films. It's just a, such no return. But you go, yeah, but how many dozens upon dozens of hundreds of dozens of films led by white males failed? You know, it's a be, it's a bullshit argument. And yeah, you're going to have failures, and that's usually behind the creative team. It's probably in the production side. You know, the they did a budget. They didn't want you to do this. They didn't want you to do that. You know, whatever the reason is, the writing was bad, they okayed a bad script, whatever. But, you know, it happens. And that's the problem. Films with minority leads or female leads have to knock it out of the park every time. And that is unreasonable. It, it, it is. And part of the um, argument against it is that global audiences have been conditioned to go see the white guy. But... They don't want to go see necessarily want to go see a, a movie starring some other ethnicity. At least that's what they're they're starting to hear. So I, I think I have a feeling Black Panther may be the movie that kind of rocks that received wisdom back on its heels. Certainly, I don't think it has any problem doing well in this country. Something happened last night um, when John and I were talking about this. When we came out of the theater, there was an electric anticipatory buzz before the movie started. But you know, we've all felt that before. before but I was unprepared for the crowd's behavior after the film. Usually people just stream out of the theater and, you know, back on Hollywood mm-hmm. Boulevard. A huge number of people, more than I had ever seen, stayed in the lobby afterward talking about talk the movie. About so many and with so much enthusiasm that it created this oppressive Phil Spector-like wall of sound that actually <laughs> hurt my ears. I was slightly deafened by it for a good 15 minutes after we left the theater. I Something Not just seen. inside the lobby, also a right outside the theater where we're, Mary and I were waiting. Mm-hmm. Same it's thing. Huh? Still pretty loud. Yeah, just people the... chatting, talking, discussing. It's... It was awesome. Yeah, you never get that this... with a with this kind of movie. Yeah, this movie has been so exciting. I mean, looking on Twitter, people are tweeting pictures from around the world. Oh, really? Of them going to see this in South Africa. People have been waiting for this movie for so long. I mean, people needed it, wanted it. And you don't even have to be black to have been saying, holy smokes, where have you been all my life? You know? Mm -hmm. know. I love you. Yeah, no, it's true. Just like with Coco. Coco hit people in a way that it was, you know, unexpected because... Finally, you know, you have it. Yes, Mary, go ahead. <laughs> you got it, you know, and that's the point. And you're not brown at all, but you got it, right? It was a universal story and told in a way that was just a little bit different than you'd heard it before. And 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 it was and it was magical. And and this movie similarly so just showed 
the the what ifs. I, I recommend people reading the articles at, in the Atlantic. The Atlantic, uh, who is also the um, the employer of Tanahisi Coates, who is the current writer of the Black Panther comic books. They have a wonderful little write up about it. Read them. Just kind of think about it. That's that's the thing about this. It was a whole, so much fun. It was so much so exciting, and but uplifting. also and uplifting. And and the what ifs, you know, what if really colonial, what if colonial Europe didn't invade Africa? What could have been, and and didn't plunder it for everything? Took its people, took its took its minerals, took its various natural wealth, and what could have been potentially? Obviously, it's heightened in a fantasy realm because it's based on this alien ore. Of some sort, but vibranium. It's, yeah, it's awesome. I think it was telling that there were so many on Twitter racists just trying to. First, they were attacking Rotten Tomatoes, trying to get its its rating down, and then people were putting up things like they're beating up white people. Mary, that's not telling. That is what we know. What's telling? Here's the thing. Perhaps it's telling of how threatening perhaps, it is for some people. No. We know that. That's the thing. It's telling to white people who didn't know how dangerous it has been all along. White people didn't realize how hateful and hurtful it was. I mean, you see the documentaries and you go, oh, yeah, they turned the, they turned the fire hoses on them and, oh, and the dogs. And, but it doesn't hit you directly. But now you people, white people enlightened white people are seeing it in a way that perhaps it never hit them before but people of color yeah we knew it's always been there always has been there and it's not new what's telling to us is that the response among people of color and among white some white folks such as yourselves is how it's touching home and you're uh, you're you know how happy we are that you guys are loving this <laughs> i mean we uh, people of color are like on pins and needles and walking on eggshells, going, "Oh my God, what if this fails? It's gonna be, uh, it's oh. back to the dark ages for another fifteen, twenty years." It's amazing, and it's about damn time. Oh, it's about time. It's it's amazing for your generation, but uh, the, the, you talk about the fire hoses, the people who were there who lived through that, who were there at the times that was happening, is what made that movement take hold and made the changes happen. Now we've sunk back, and your generation sees the sink back. And that's oh, the thing. Sure. It's, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. We can only hope that it's going to continue to improve, but it's not. It's got to swing. The pendulum's got to swing. So. No, you're right, John. I think there was like a 20, 30-year gap where people didn't see it anymore, the 80s. The 90s, the people didn't quite see it, and now we have, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no denying that this film was political and and kind of harkened to what it's like to have a sudden uh, autocrat step into power and decide they wanted to change things and turn things back, or be militant and whatever, and we're kind of seeing that mirrored in our own society. And attacking minorities again, and so yeah. But this film and others, it's about it's about bringing it home. I think 
to people who to whom that 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 what's going on in the world today doesn't affect directly, and that's generally speaking white America. Right. And I, it's I, also fun. Yeah. Well, but I think I think that that's that's a very important. I mean, you all made very important points, and I I, I think that's uh, kind of crucial what you just said, John. Because and again, I I don't want to I don't I want I don't want to wait film down. I don't want to freight it up with with political significance when it's trying to be uh, above all an entertaining popcorn movie, but one with with a different perspective and 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 kind of a, a lot of thoughtful themes. It, it, I, I disagree, Scott. I don't think it is above all trying to be a popcorn movie. I don't agree don't? with that. Okay, all right. I, I I think it is above all trying to also be political. I think it is having to be. You can't you can't put the director that they chose, who mm-hmm. who directed Fruitvale Station, right. he did not create that to be above all entertaining popcorn fare. Absolutely not. He is a socially minded individual, and I don't know why Marvel and when they originally created the Black Panther character um, named it the Black Panther maybe they were just writing on the Black Panther movement fame and tried to hit this niche you know audience mm-hmm. it may have just been appropriation at that time it, it could be now that it means so much more than that because we're kinda, talking about how it's being done today. So, no, I don't yeah. think it's popcorn fair. Yeah, but I kind of see it as the the peanuts in the Cracker Jack popcorn. You know, it's the little the little stuff. They try to make it. They made it palatable for everybody to see rather than just hitting on the on only on the uh, political stuff. Made it uh, a part of an action movie, part of a fun action movie. So that those little peanuts, when you hit them, went, oh, look, there's a peanut in here. OK, oh, there's another one. Oh, all right. Yeah, I think it's kind of like that. I, I think yes, it's in that vessel. Okay, yeah. that, that's absolutely in that kind vessel. Of, that's kind of what I meant because I mean, yes, you're absolutely right about. I mean, I, uh, Sim Fu Fail Station. I, I, there, there are similar political themes in Creed, also, which also yes. starred Michael B. Jordan. And, and I agree with you, but I, but in taking on the the project, uh, Kugler also had you know an enormous fiduciary responsibility to. The company that hired them gave them the opportunity that um, I guess what I mean is, let me rephrase it. I feel like the political, t- to me, speaking as someone from my privileged perch, the political benefits of popular culture are the way they mystify everybody equally. I mean, uh, for like... Uh, in, in the post Will and Grace period, when, when more gay people started showing up in, on TV and in movies, and uh, tolerance and acceptance of gay people rose, and, and it wasn't entirely due to depictions of popular media, but it that had a demonstrated effect, and it stopped people. They became less of another. They became more familiar the way people who show up. You know, in your living room on your TV, become familiar. This was a this was an experience that I'm I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of white people, had not had before of going into a movie and rooting for a character of color. And and it it wasn't made easy like it is like like in Forty Eight Hours. You know, where you got oh you're going to root for Eddie Murphy because everyone else is a, sure. a, a bigot or an asshole. There were mostly black people on screen, so you picked and chose amongst them who you were going to support. 
it's not an experience you usually have. You know, if there's a black person, they're usually there in a supporting role and dead at some point in the movie. So I think it's, to me, it's, it's political in the sense that it gives you a social experience that you haven't had before I, in the guise of this. But it's sold to you as entertainment, which I think is one way that you're going to get people to, to, because I, people are so locked in hermetically sealed um, political bubbles where they only get, the, you know, they received political opinions. There's not that much crossover that the best way to get at people is through popular attainment that crosses over. Yes. Yes. I, Yes, I know what I, you're saying. I get what you're saying. However, you need to also recognize that Marvel has made a conscious choice, not just with who they chose to direct this film, mm-hmm. but also who they have chosen to author the Black Panther comic books. You do not choose Tanahisi Coates to author the the Black Panther comic book if you do not want to make it social and political minded. Sure. He is the guy who wrote the article about, you know, why we need reparations. They made a bold choice. They decided we're going to go there. We want that guy to write our black pants. So you you can you can try to ignore it. But but and I'm not saying that's what you're doing. Don't don't get me wrong. But Marvel made that choice. They made the choice twice. They chose Ta-Nehisi Coates mm-hmm. to write their comic book. And they chose this uh, Kugler to direct it, the film. And they want to make this social message. They want to put it through. They want it to be political. And they want you to get it. And they want to drive it home. And they have a real winner here. Uh, I know we were joking around last night uh, talking about, you know, uh, <laughs> Zardoz. I, I, I said it was Zardozian in, in, in its scope in how it had all these topics it wanted to address. And it is. Zardoz, which is an awful film, that wanted to... A a wonderfully awful film. Go see it, because it's horribly awful. But it's... (laughs) But it tries to... And we'll be in Better Living Through Bad Movies 2, the sequelizer. (laughs) There you go. I think this is officially the most sociopolitical podcast we've had (laughs) (laughs) but it is you cannot be sociopolitical with this film go ahead mary sorry no it is i agree we're talking women's yes and uh, and 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 that's that's my point now with the zardoz thing right zardoz was this film that tried to hit on all these issues like all the issues in the world and i applauded its its valiant effort but it failed horribly and miserably and you can't possibly attack all those issues at once but this film it brought up many 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 issues not as many as Zardo has tried to bring up but many and it didn't try to solve them either because that would have been failure it didn't it it just said by the way this is also a problem and it presented it to us the audience and and gave a few ideas of how various factions wanted to resolve them and then we could decide what we thought of those so i've been read the riot act (laughs) (laughs) been shamed for our whitefulness that's fine i gotta come in sorry i I didn't want to be like over dominator i just was like no 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 (laughs) that's fine no that's makes for good conversation but i also think we this group are still missing probably a whole lot because none of us are black yes oh that's true i mean it was we can only do what we can do so 
I have a question for the group. I want to see if everybody else uh, saw it the way I did. And the opening narration, the, uh, the origin story, when I first was listening to it, I was thinking that it was the old king was saying it to T'Challa. That's, that's the way I saw it. It wasn't until I thought about it afterward, after the movie, saying, no, no, that was the uncle saying it to his son. Mm-hmm. Mm. Saying, I agree with you. So I, and and that uh, that was what he used to tell him to, uh, when he told him about Wakanda and stuff like that and how he would take him back, etc. That's those are the stories he would tell. I agree with you. I I don't know what it really is. I, I read an, uh, I skimmed I skimmed a couple articles to kind of like prepare for this. And and one of the articles, one of the reviews was like, oh yes, we learned. And that's exactly right. They thought it was the old king telling the T'Challa. Uh, but I like your idea. I guess we won't truly know until we get a hold of the uh, DVD and put it on uh, closed captioning, and then they'll tell us who's speaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. But I, I agree with you. I like that better, actually. I do, too. And it, 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 yeah. It's in keeping with the only storytelling we actually see, which is when Killmonger, who... Let's let, let, let's let's dispose of his, his, his name is Eric Stevens and Killmonger is just a nickname he picked up in the army. So it's it's they, they dealt with they gave him a supervillain name, but they gave a reasonable explanation for it. Anyway, but when, they kept calling him that throughout the film, throughout the end of the film. Killmonger. Yes. Yeah. And, they and lean into it. I like that. Call him Eric Killmonger. They yeah. don't give him his last name. They do in the movie, though. They do say he's he's introduced as Eric. He introduced himself as Eric Stevens. That's how he's listed in the credits. But 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 so often when you get something kind of goofy and on the nose, they they shy away from it. Nowadays, and especially in movies, or don't mention it at all. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't think anybody has their superhero it ever mentions their superhero name in the Marvel Netflix shows. But they they leaned into it here, which I, I give them credit for. But when he goes on his little vision quest after he. He uh, eats the heart-shaped herb and uh, ascends the throne. Like T'Challa, with his father T'Chaka, uh, Eric sees his father and sees himself as a boy, and the father's telling a story about Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it kind of that would sort of bookend and reflect what happened in, in the beginning. So I think John's onto something, and, and that kind of enriches the, the subsequent scene where he he imagines mm-hmm. his father telling him the story about Wakanda and how beautiful mm-hmm. it is. But I, I, I th- one of the things about this movie is how they did what they don't often do. with. I mean, Marvel frequently has weak villains, and part of it is because they just have very generic goals. I mean, Dormammu, and I loved Doctor Strange, but Dormammu is a, it's just this disembodied head that wants to conquer. Killmonger's point is arguably true. What he wants to do his means are terrible, but he has a legitimate grievance and what he wants to do could be seen as as righteous payback. And another thing, another political thing the movie did was approach European colonization from a from a, an oblique angle. Usually it's 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 straight down the fairway with right white guilt. And here it put people because of the way gunpowder traveled from China to Europe and then. Europe brought it to Africa and, and they were able to dominate uh, because of that technological advancement. What if an African nation had this this technology, which would have been mind blowing uh, and far beyond the, the, the can of European nations and they decided to conquer and colonize. So it put it, it, it made people think about, oh, well, 
what if France? Yeah, what if France or Germany or the United States gets treated the way you know Kenya was traditionally treated? Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just made you think of something. It's like, oh yeah, that would that would suck. That would feel bad. Oh, I hope that he doesn't get away with that. But I can't pretend that he doesn't have a point, which made the movie much more interesting to me. It's not like he was uh, a great villain in the sort of theatrical vein of, say, Magneto in the first X-Men film. Uh, he was just mm-hmm. fun to watch. He was just a great scenery-chewing villain. This, this, this was much more thoughtful and complicated and, and tangled a skein of motivations that, again, you know, your your point is, is true. I, it did lift it out of the purely popcorn category. Do you uh, think, in a way, Killmonger, his experiences growing up, he didn't get representation for how wonderful? Well, no, he didn't. Well, he didn't grow up with the same role models. These these people. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the people in what I mean, uh, T'Challa had. Not not only not only the dignity of somebody who was you know was born of the purple, and and raised as part of a hereditary aristocracy, but he also grew up in this country where you know in they're Oakland. Uh, yeah, well, Kit Killmonger grew up in Oakland, but T'Challa grew up in you know Wakanda, where everybody has dignity. I saw one headline that said, and I didn't read the article, but I I had a I saw a headline that said, uh, before you watch Black Panther, watch uh, uh, Fruitville Station, so you can see where. Killmonger comes from. That's his upbringing. What happens in Fruitville Station in Oakland? That's where he comes from. And Which then is, you can get a greater insight on his where he comes and why he believes what he does. Which made for me when T'Challa goes to Oakland and says, "I'm buying all of this," and he's like, "I'm not going to let this happen to somebody else." Yeah, his father was wrong to leave him there. Like, why would you leave the kid there? Just take him yeah. to Wakanda. I mean, for real. That was insane. So, yeah, well, that so, was a bad decision. Yes, yeah, somebody said that that, that there, he was going to cover up the killing of his brother, and yeah. if they had the kid, that would complicate matters. Right? No, I get that, but that's just a cruel oh, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. face of it. Like T'Challa is right. Like, why would that's a horrible, cruel thing to do? Just on its own, regardless my of my cousin of, behind. It's see this. You're it's your fam this. abandoning your family. Yeah. This brought up something else that that, that I wondered. Um, so this thing with the lips, the vibranium lips, is that like a bris? Uh, you know, when you're born, oh. they, yeah. they they pass they it on. They, they put, tattoo your lip with vibranium uh, because he never saw Wakanda, and yet he had the lip. Now, I, so. I I know that there's yeah, so many more social that. things to get into, but it you know, yeah, I think John's right. Can can we talk about like the the comic book stuff i mean Please. is there a is there a reaction is there a reason for that i mean not reaction but a reason is, is in the comic books yeah what is what is that lip the the tattoo the lip tattoo thing that's how you get into clubs in wakanda <laughs> <laughs> well we did john we did know someone who had jedi tattooed under there on her lip remember yes yeah. really yeah, I love her she's awesome <laughs> like dude if you're gonna get jedi tattooed right there you're my friend we're into it yeah, she she was she was in that uh, the fence that show I did and uh, the fence uh, about the border yeah. crossings a Latina. Right. Mm. Yeah. I was the voice of the border guard. Yeah, yeah. John played the man. The man. <laughs> oh, thanks but, for pressing everybody. <laughs> yeah, John. Well, you know, but, speaking of the, but is there 
the the, the thing. I have no clue. Like I don't know. I have I've not read I've not read the current run of the comic books, and I know um, Coates has really made it his own and has has changed it and updated a lot. Uh, you you were wondering about the the origin of the name and how much of you know whether they were jumping on a a um, a topical. Uh, uh, yeah, appropriation of the yeah right well it, it i i was looking it up and i'm sure you know a, a deeper dive into google will reveal this but just superficially um the black panther party was was founded in 1966 uh black panther the character was created in 1966 uh-huh. so, so it, it could have been could have been who knows but it uh, been. well it, cer- it certainly influenced it Let's by the way. way more trivia there are no such thing as panthers. They're leopards in Africa. They're black leopards in Africa. Or, oh, shoot, what are they in North America? Pumas? No, not pumas. Mountain lions. Oh, I, I failed. I cougars failed. Pumas are mountain lions. Cougar. They're black cougars in, in, in America, in the Americas, I should say. But in, in, in uh, Africa and Asia, they're leopards. They're just black. Who've just connected and all the spots. Light, yeah, no, not even, not even true. If you put them in black light or certain light, you can see the spots. Oh, They're really? just you can't tell because it's all dark in the daylight. But you can actually—I know it's amazing. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I watch na- nature shows, and they did this thing where they put them under, uh, I guess, a black light. You can see their spots. Wow. It's amazing. But it's just because they're black. Today on Animal Planet, we'll be taking a leopard <laughs> to a rave. awesome like it'll blow everybody's minds yeah everyone's gonna have to (laughs) go to the cool tent mary i wanted to ask you something because because i saw your reaction when what's the original bad guy oh uh, ulysses claw 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 when that guy when uh spoiler alert and he gets killed you reacted like i didn't see that coming um what does that mean I mean, I just uh, thought he'd be around for, for some more movies. I Is just... he a huge like comic book baddie? Yeah, he's no, he's I don't uh, think so. yeah, no, he is. He's he's a he's involved with Ultron. I mean, he's he's oh, got a lengthy. Yeah. I remember it. he was in that. Yeah, he was in the Age of Ultron, and he's involved in with, with the character of Ultron. He's got a fairly lengthy comic book lineage. So the fact that they killed him off was surprising, but it made um, some comments on the press tour that Andy Serkis said a little more retroactively explicable. People asked him, so at some point, Claw and Killmonger team up, right? And Serkis said, they don't really have the same agenda. Claw was a smuggler. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I just thought he was going to be in the movie longer. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was the big bad until, you know, they killed him. And then, no, it's it's, it's okay. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Andy Circus makes me wonder if he's ever going to play a stop motion of a human being. No, he didn't. He wasn't in this. Stop it, Yanushek. He's not. <laughs> he's we we saw him. He was so great. We just saw him in Star Talk. It's on the Discovery Channel. Oh. It's Neil, Neil deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson's oh. yeah, podcast, mm-hmm. but they do they do the the TV version of the podcast, so they have people live in studio, and he was on it live in studio. I was so impressed. He was there, actually there, not just like you know, on a Skype interview or something. Why but he, he was on the. Nerd? What was he talking about? Well, no, he was there with Frank Oz. Oh. Uh, they were talking about, you know, voiceover, 
puppetry and creating uh, characters and the people in the the suits like what he does with the characters it was it was really an interesting episode <laughs> i was really impressed Sorry. it's a whole art form <laughs> mo- the mocap suits it uh, really is each really guy is for muscle really oh each i never guy. knew that yeah somebody had uh the 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 dot pattern paint that the characters were in the movie some some woman had it uh in the theater last night a lot of cosplay a lot of cosplay going on you know i didn't notice the cosplay last night i usually see it but i didn't see it last night yeah i didn't really notice much either but but i was very excited for this movie i was really not (laughs) i was i was i I barely had time to 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 mourn john's street dog and (laughs) did you guys see uh the like, yes, latest the War for the Planet of the Apes? No. Uh, no. That is a perfect example okay. of the facial movement of Caesar, the gorilla, mm-hmm. and the emotion captured and the, what do you call it, and, and how the face moved like a real face. And that's where, that's when they did it with the, you were saying how every dot uh, reflected a facial muscle so they can just capture that and so they just then make it a, an ape instead. How do they account for the fact that apes have fewer facial muscles? And, and, and less of a range of expression. Well, maybe well, they only hit those muscles. I mean, I don't know where yeah, they put no. those dots. N- normal apes do, but those, ah. <laughs> the ones that become intelligent. These special world conquering apes. <laughs> intelligent yeah. apes have more muscles, yeah. apparently. Yes. So visually, this movie was pretty stunning. And it's and again, it showed us things we haven't seen before. And they achieved that amazing verisimilitude that incredibly authentic evocation of the african continent by shooting the whole thing in south korea Kudos. yes <laughs> yes that's true when they were i thought you know Georgia, our, thank, our thanks to victoria pages. falls or whatever yeah the whole thing was in filmed in busan south korea and and of course in atlanta because it's a marvel film and that's they shoot that's where they shoot everything that's where they shoot everything so i'm wondering how much of wakanda was created in a computer you just you just can't tell anymore. It's funny they were going to do this movie. They were not this movie. They were going to do a Black Panther movie with Wesley Snipes, and I think like nineteen ninety three or something. And thank goodness they didn't for a variety of reasons. One of which is that was before this kind of movie making was possible. We went through a period where the CGI wasn't that good. That period, like um, Gladiator where, you know, they, they built up the Coliseum and, and you could tell that the crowds were fake and the scene was, I mean, it's like, oh, it looks neat. You know, and it's no, it's no worse than a, than a matte painting, but you could still tell, just like you can tell with a matte painting, that, oh, that's where the line is and it was fake. Um, now it just, things are seamless and I have no clue what was real in this movie and what wasn't. It would have been worse then, to be honest, because that's the same period. I mean, they just wouldn't have gotten it. Remember the Ben Affleck, daredevil mm-hmm. and then the electra films it just didn't get the comic book genre they felt you just put it in they put them in a costume and you throw enough effects and it's going to be great and they didn't get it they didn't get the depth they didn't get the integrity they didn't they didn't give it its due or the respect and and they they couldn't quite recreate those worlds and it just i'm so glad that they couldn't and that they didn't because yeah, like and just just five minutes of the old Affleck Daredevil, and you go, oh, oh mm-hmm. no, oh no, god, thank do, god, do <laughs> no, 
do not want. The scene, one thing I, I enjoyed about the scene in uh, South Korea was that it was in South Korea, that it wasn't a lengthy sequence set in China for no particular reason, mm-hmm. just to, except to flatter its local audiences and price some money out of its investor class. Kind of sick of those. Another reason I was glad it wasn't China was because that whole uh, super violent underground casino scene never would have gotten past the Chinese censors. They would have, oh, we don't have this. This doesn't exist. And I liked it, the, the way they did it, because it it was kind of a James Bond-like scene uh, yeah. in this casino. And all you know, all, they're there looking for one guy, and then all of a sudden all these South African mercenaries are coming in. But it rather went in a more interesting direction because it wasn't a shootout. It was guns against melee weapons. That's um, why I wondered that scene with the sister if they were referencing Bond or not, because the subsequent scene was Bond-esque, and yet at the time it didn't sound very Bond. You know what I mean? And mm. I hope you remember what you were thinking, because I would like to know. I hope I recall that too, but there's <laughs> a lot of things I wish I could remember at my age, and they're not coming back. It's not happening. Oh, you uh, will, you will. I'll get you drunk enough. Okay. All right. I'll hold what? you to that. Uh, <laughs> You'll be there, Mary. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so, I actually, I, you guys said something that reminded me of, of a comment Blanche made last night. The story is new in terms of its technology and the people who are carrying the narrative. Those are things we haven't really seen before. But it was a very old story. I mean, uh, it's fratricide in a royal family, the son of the murdered brother. Grows to, yeah, grows to manhood, seething with resentment and hungering for revenge. It returns to take the throne from the rightful heir. It was. It was very Shakespearean. And th- I think that was smart. It gave it a lot of uh, dimension. And it almost felt like, and John has been in some of these uh, productions with unconventional casting, where they will take, you know, King Lear, be set on Haiti, or it'll be in Spanish Harlem or whatever. Or Jesus Christ Superstar, where Judas is a female. Yeah, well, that's weird. I don't think I would want to see that. But, I mean, yeah, you could. <laughs> you know what? You could do that, but I guess. I shun you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeez, look. Oh, so, yeah. So, finally, <laughs> finally, Amish represent. Finally, they can, we've, we've really, we haven't, we haven't given the Amish and their shunning, you know, I think what, what's their, their due here on the podcast. So, um, after this, everybody, we're going on for Rumspringer. Going to Daytona <laughs> well, you Beach. Know, they- their meats, their cured meats, are delicious. I, have, I, I have I, not had. My theater teacher was Amish, the Pennsylvania Dutch, and so they would send him stuff. Oh, you, oh, the the cookouts at mm-hmm. his place. What? So good. Anyway, <laughs> never heard that the Amish were known for their cured meats. I've just heard about the their cured meats are so good. <laughs> I've just heard about their furniture and and their their weird beards, I'm weird mustaches, and their noodles. My, their noodles. My high school theater. Get to know what good is. Pennsylvania Dutch. Woot, woot. <laughs> UCLA theater program. Yes. Maybe not. Oh um, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so they've got this super modern megalopolis that basically seems to be built around the vibranium mine. That seems to be the heart of it. And outside this hologram, they pose as a poor sheep herding, goat herding, third world country. And agricultural, agricultural. Yeah, they exactly. fly over with their gravity ships, right? Well, here's because what I, they can cloak a city, but they can't cloak that ship. It's a design flaw, I grant you, but you know. <laughs> but here's what I wonder: It's like, I mean, I I assume the people, the 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 goat herders are are in on it. So I just wonder who who decides who gets to live in you know the city of tomorrow and who has to live in a mud hut and herd goats. I mean. Is it like a tour of duty? Do they rotate people? Is it 
is, is a lottery Fine. exactly is it Shirley so you Jackson? Out here. not not everybody wants to live in the lap of luxury okay yeah. some people hey, like say. living amongst the people in the dirt some people like the feel uh, yeah. yeah 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 they, they tell you that yeah, you like, like that Albert. you like that you stay out here and you never say a word you keep it you keep <laughs> the rest of the secret just for us okay yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't insult totally you. happy. That's their lot in life. And they're like, hey, wait, you're paying my bills, right? I'm there. I'm good. I don't have any other responsibilities. No problem. I got goats. They'll be happy. Okay. Well, that makes me feel much better about the goat herders then. Because that, <laughs> that was the one thing that I really I, I took away from it that gnawed at me. Probably still have great Wi-Fi. I'm just saying. Uh, yes, in Wakanda, they probably. They are goat herders by day, but fan fiction writers by night. <laughs> they are prolific. There's, there's, so there's somebody, have... somebody, somebody in a mud hut right now, hunched, hunched over their MacBook Air, and they're they're <laughs> typing just like a killer T'Challa Killmonger slash fix scene that's they just so going to burn this the internet. This is so going to be the next. I want to know. When they let loose the rhinoceri, how do they know friend from foe? Because they come charging out there, and all they're just a bunch of guys in robes, and a bunch of guys in, and a bunch of other people in other robes, and and uh, and, and people with with spears and and other kind of robes. And they go, okay, I think you're bad and you're good, so I'm going to get you. I think yeah. it was it was it was a theme robe thing because the guys who. His friend who who raised the rhinoceros or cared for it or farmed it or whatever mm-hmm. it was he was doing with it, um, he he was wearing a particular tribe particular tribal colors and his guys were all wearing a version of the same thing. So I assume the rhinoceros right. said, "Okay, anyone who's not wearing this, I think they're a, 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 a they're a weapon of mass destruction, and they did know individuals, and that was proof to us once um, Michonne was like." Hello, you know me. Right. And she was in a different robe, and yet he would. The, the, those rhinoceri were like kicking those puppies like, up in the I air. I love you. Yeah, the rhinoceros was like, "Yeah, you're my friend. I love you." Oh, that's right. Well, because she she was she was uh, the insurgent general's wife. That right. guy, you know, like he's like it's like he never returned from the sunken place. You yeah. know, yeah, like he just exactly. never could recover, and I feel bad for him, but. After that, he had a chip on his shoulder, so and you could understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he was like, "Hell no, I'm not going back to that place ever again." Right. Uh-uh. I felt bad for the guy who had the uh, lower lip plate because he really yeah. only got they really only trusted him with one line. Uh, uh, and we'll he, stop. he got you it know. out, but I mean, his lip was flapping pretty bad. It was distracting. So I, can see, I can see why it. he didn't Don't. get a lot of speeches. Don't. I hope you get many hate mails. <laughs> from 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 the lip, from the lip plate community, he had style because his plate matched his suit. <laughs> he did. It's, it was a lovely plate. It was like I don't know. It was like I was thinking, is that copper? Because it's got that nice kind of green thing, or maybe is it jade? When you're really... digging, just keep Rass. deeper. <laughs> I was. I'm admiring his lip plate. What's you wrong with that? You are just. You just don't get it, Scott. I don't. I don't. I'm get the not lip. I don't saying that either. I'm just saying stop. All right. <laughs> we abhor you. Right. I didn't say that either. You know, no, don't give me, just don't give me any lip, okay? Oh. <laughs> oh. Actually, I was kind of disappointed because that he cut, whose who's throat did did Michael B. Jordan, uh, Michael B. Jordan cut someone's, yeah, one of the warrior's throat, I remember, because Mary screamed. Yeah. And, and I was like, scrubs. oh, no. 
because those um the rings in the throat, you know, because you know how some of the African tribes they put the all those rings, the rings yeah. around uh, to and and the and neck, yeah. well, but it's also protection, and and it why, eventually yeah. gets eventually gets elongated. But um, I was like, oh no, she didn't put her latest ring on, so he found a kink in the armor, we'll was able there. to slice her throat. It was uh yeah there was a lot of cartoon violence but that was that was shocking because that was a moment of brutal very real violence. Uh, up to then it's like you know that's I'm pretty sure nobody's actually getting knocked of uh, the length of a football field by a charging rhino. Uh, it's fun to watch but it does it's not making me cringe but yeah the the, the throat cutting thing was a little that was shocking. I can see where I'm Well when they do the next uh, Black Panther film and I hope they do. I oh, hope they don't just out. like wrap it up. I want to know what happens in the in in this story with that people who supported. Yeah, with those people with the with the with the serapes. I don't know what they will. Them. They will have a they will have a, a South African style truth and reconciliation <laughs> commission, and uh, because it was a civil war. It was a civil. It was a mini. Little, yeah, it was a little civil war, and it was at, uh, and Michonne changed sides. No, she never changed sides. She was once always- it was. Once it was clear that whatever that's called, that fight wasn't finished, she was like, uh, he's my king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the think, fight's she, I not think over. she found a loophole because she said yeah, she, 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 did. Did, she did not want to serve him. But she was shocked when uh, the uh, Nakia, the Lupita Yanga character, said, we have to fight him. She goes, you can't. He's the king. You can't. You know, that's she's she, that's what she's sworn to do. But she turned against him when he. It went at the, when there was when there was a plausible uh, excuse for it. So because when t- there was, he said he didn't die and he never yielded. Right. So that and, that, and over. that's true. That's true. She didn't actually start fighting against him until Michael B. Jordan said, "Ah, no, nah, it's it's over as far as I'm concerned. Kill him." And she's going, "Well, wait a minute. That's not." That's how why this I works. wonder what's happening with the Serapis because they actively went against the king at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the army of the king said, "Ho." wait a minute, the king still lives and the fight hasn't ended yet. He hasn't yielded and he's not dead. And then the Serape, the the sunken, the... <laughs> sunken place guy. The rhino sunken people. Guy, the rhino remember. people. The rhino people. I'm sorry, I forget. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, it's Daniel... Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis. You know? No. Kaluya. 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 His faction said they actively insurrected against the the standing king so i want to know what happens to his people i thought the justification for him going on the other side was a little thin that one thing about saying uh yeah i thought it'd be different when than your father but it's just the same after they've been friendly all these years and stuff together and when they were young and now it's like boom i just turned on you because you won't bring that guy home I agree. They, kill. I agree. Well, they, they it was gave one him... of those things that you hate, John, where it's like they don't say everything. It's like, yeah, I had him, but this guy broke him out. You, so you hate, yeah, you hate when people disingenuous. Like, we wouldn't be having this whole civil war if I like spent two more minutes explaining the situation. That that's the problem with movie, movie motivation. When you got these many characters, and they were this film juggled a lot of characters and 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 did it well. <laughs> but his his he got his little speech where you know I had to watch claw kill my family and t'challa promised him justice and then said well uh justice is going to be delayed and and then killmonger shows up with claw's body 
I mean, I'll accept why you look at this guy as, okay, here's the kind of take charge, can do, king who gets things done that we really need. I, I accept that that's your motivation for betraying your friend. Um, but I, I agree. I don't, I think it's, I think it's thin, but you know, it's, you can only give and, believable motivations to so many characters. And since, and this is one of the gaps that they had that we talked about the, uh, the gap that, uh, somehow he knew when he said, uh, Wakanda was, was beautiful that he knew he was talking about the sunset mm-hmm. and that's what he brought him to. But still, uh, this, this guy who's never been to Wakanda just heard stories about it somehow knew that that guy's kid, the family was killed, and that's the guy who wanted revenge, and that's the person to bring the body to. Don't know oh. how he put all that together. Oh, uh, you know. Hmm. It's just a movie. Now we're at the, I'm going to deploy the it's just a movie excuse because it's a movie I like. So. Yes, right. Yeah. So yeah. Since, since we're at that it's point. It's just a movie you should really just relax. Since enjoy the, the movie. Harrison Ford, Star Wars, if that's what you're thinking about, kid, we're in bigger trouble than we thought. Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's, okay. Uh, since we're at that point, let's move on to uh, Fascinating, Irritating. And let's start with our person of color. Oh, that's me. Me too. <laughs> I knew you were going to start with me. Yeah, it's sabotage. I know it. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, fascinating. I'm fascinating how well. Honestly, how well, and I brought this up earlier, the, uh, the you know, they, the, the Zardozian-esque attempt they made to bring up all of the issues that they did, and they did a wonderful job of doing it. I am fascinated at how they brought up the both sociopolitical issues, cultural issues, the differences, the differences, and the big differences, and I don't know that white America is quite, a fair, uh, quite aware of this, and I am not the person to be discussing this, but I'm going to mention it as a spectator. But the issues of, of African American culture versus people of color or black culture issues, there are lots of issues going on. Uh, I don't know if you all recall that African-American people called Barack Obama not black enough. But he was certainly more African than some black Americans are. And, uh, oh gosh, I hope you don't get emails about me. But I'm just saying that there's this wonderful diaspora of peoples who are talking about color, culture, Africanness. I'm just using that as a, a springboard just to explain or imply what the grandness of this, the scope is. There are, you know, within the Latino community, there is a lot of black Latin stuff very specifically today. And I won't bring it up specifically. Artists who are trying so hard to say, yeah, I'm black, but I'm not. You know, what's the difference between Africanness and african-american because honestly african-american is a specifically usa american issue because everywhere else in the world no one is african-american they're all just black and that's a thing well i think Um, it's it points to that so many of of people of color african-americans they don't really know where they're from africa has a lot of countries and they well, a lot of people from. actually do know where they're from. They've done a lot of research and they've done a lot of backtracking and they actually do know 
where they're from. And the left I, don't. But where it comes, the cultural, and I mean cultural, issue is popular cultural issues are quite muddled at this point in our world. So I'm fascinated that this film exists and is reaching so many people of all sorts of strata. And I am happy, 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 happy that it does. I'm irritated. And we didn't really touch on it here in this podcast and probably for the best. But that there are trolls out in the world who are and and Mary told me about them. Yeah, and I saw them today. I went online and did a little bit, a teeny bit of research, and it was not hard to find. Um, that there are crazy, yeah, people just, aside from hitting review sites to down-review this film before trying it even came out, there it. are, yeah, exactly, Mary, there are people who are trying to scare people from showing up, saying, oh, I went to the screening and I got beat up. But that's not true. That is absolutely not true. Saying, I got beat up because I showed up and I was told I didn't belong here. That's one, sad. One that troll even horrible. used. But that says a lot. Because yeah. they realize, as I said earlier, that Marvel has made a decision by hiring this director and by hiring Ta-Nehisi Coates. They, that Marvel wants a social revolution. Or, I don't want to say they want a... Um, uh, social they want to. They want to be relevant to the social a, revolution. Yeah, they happening. want relevant. They want a socially conscious representation of these characters. That's dangerous to a lot of people, and that is dangerous. Yes, to the the white supremacist people. I'm done. S- somebody posted. Oh yeah, my girlfriend got beat up, and here's a picture of her. And and w- w- you, I think didn't you track back those pictures and said, well, first of all, this is yeah. A- I did a reverse Google search. I went, man, that's a woman who was had a bottle broken in her face in Switzerland on January 30th. So Try again. They're doing the knockout game by the concession stand. Yeah, it's um, it's not going to work. The the it feels like the 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 popular wellspring uh, is with this film. But I just want to say one more thing that that this this group we have posted our opinions. I, I apologize. I'm, I'm I am somewhat speaking for all of us, but we're we're basing our opinions based on our experiences, and none of us are black. True. I have I have family members who are black. And and my uh, and and I have seen arguments within my family that say, you know, from mother to to children saying, you know, you don't understand because you never lived in our skin. Yes, you understand and you feel because you feel sadness of our plight, but you don't know. What? Because other people see us as this. We live in this skin. You don't. Yes, I live. Really yeah, I and no emph- empathy Not means empathize, no. Sympathize. Yeah, yeah. Sympathize. We right. we. I'm a brown person, but not that brown. I know that a lot of white people pass me for white. Brown people never do. I just am always amazed how brown people know I'm not white. Um, some white people. When I went to Europe, oh my gosh! When I went to Europe, white those people knew I was. They knew I was from Mexico, was, uh, but I'm not from Mexico. I'm American. But anyway, they always pegged me as Mexican. I was always shocked about that. That's that's a whole other story. But anyway, 
Uh, <laughs> they know other. And that's uh, word to the wise, by the way. The fascinating thing for me was how uh, this action-filled, fun movie that was so wonderfully shot and so colorful made me think and made me maybe think about different issues, et cetera, as we've been talking about. But also I found fascinating how on that the uh, scene for the challenge, how they had all those people in lovely colors and had synchronized shoulder rolls <laughs> going popping every time you know to the music. It was just great. I just love that part. The thing that uh, that I found annoying was I don't know if this is really annoying, but did anybody else think that the the stuff in the credits looked like those those pictures that you had to focus your eyes on, and the whatever was inside looked like it was made out of sand? Remember oh, those those, those magic eye pictures. Yes, right. And no matter what the thing was inside, it looked like it was made out of sand or some kind of hay or sh- or shredded something. But it was a. a uh, model of something, but anyway, that's what I made don't know that, what you're that, talking about. Trailer. I saw leaping dolphins, <laughs> <laughs> but it was leaping dolphins with hair. That's the whole thing. I saw a dress that was clearly blue. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, John, I don't know what you're talking one about. One of those weirdos. Okay. <laughs> Fascinating for me was the costumes. Hmm. Oh my god, they were gorgeous. And I was fascinated to learn that some of the accessories that the queen. T'Challa's mom, don't know her name. They were three D printed. Angela Bassett. Yeah, I was gonna say Angela Bassett. I think she, she mentioned into the character's name. I know. <laughs> I know, but, but we're the, but the, we're just being uh, assholes. Accessories were because that's the fun part of having a podcast: being an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Her accessories were three D printed. Yeah, they were printed through a three D printer. I want to see her earrings on sale. Those the first the earrings we see her wearing the first time we meet her. Those mm-hmm. earrings where it looked like they were kissing her face. Those were brilliant. I want those. Well, you can probably print them out if you have a three D printer. I don't. So I want to see who has a three D printer and will sell them to me and the masses because they were beautiful. Uh, I love another those. Amazon purchase. No. Uh, so so irri- irritating. Mary? Irritating. If you got nothing, it's fine. I That's had nothing. Right. That's okay. right. She loved it. She was screaming and leaping and applauding. All I loved it. Fascinating for me was I was expecting it to feel more otherworldly, more of a, a sort of constructed fairy tale kind of land like Asgard. <laughs> it felt like a Marvel movie in its in its energy and in its humor and in its action and in its character interactions, but it also didn't feel like any Marvel movie that had come before it. I figured it would be this sort of, you know, royal family dynamic. I thought it would feel more like um, Asgard, but it was completely its own thing. And it felt realistically earthbound because the characters felt so real. And like we're talking about the, the relationship between, T'Challa and Shuri, his sister, was just very recognizable to anybody who's got a little sister. Um, all, all, all love to you, Katie. <laughs> Katie, you rock. Exactly. So it was how different an experience it was. Fascinated me all throughout the movie. And yet it hit all the same buttons that the other Marvel movies have. It did not get distracted by the other things it was clearly trying to do. That's fascinating to me that they pulled that off that there's we had so much else to talk about 
even though when you're watching the movie, I was I was gripped and caught up with it and excited by the action. Uh, the same I was with any other Marvel film. Um, irritating. Honestly, I'm reaching to find anything. It would it would be the tiniest little nitpicky thing, and I'm not interested. Frankly, that's I, fabulous. So, this is this is this is officially the first Marvel movie since we've been doing the podcast that I don't really have an irritating thing for. So, I'm gonna awesome. end it there. Any final thoughts? Lupita Nyong'o was awesome. She I was. know everybody was probably expecting me to be like gushy, gushy, gushy all over her because I gushy, gushy, gushy all over her when she's not in things. <laughs> but I didn't have to because you know what? Her performance speaks for itself. And I did like I how it was. Yo, I want to see it again too. But I, I liked how they had that very distant sort of contained romance i believed the feelings that were going they were going on between them even though they both were constrained by their roles in society that he was the king that she was a soldier essentially she was a spy that that they were in different social planes and he wanted to reach across and she was she was reluctant of getting sucked into that like anybody who any poor sap you know she didn't want to fall into the uh, princess diana syndrome and there wasn't a lot of time devoted to their relationship, but I mean, they established it very on in a humorous way in the typical Marvel manner, where she's going, don't freeze. And in the trailers, you think, Oh, he's, he's a hero. He's not going to freeze. And it's all about don't freeze when you see her. Cause you've got a thing for her. And then he gets, he's kicking ass. He's wading through these, these smugglers and mercenaries. And then he sees her and she's angry because she's, he's busted, busted up her operation. And he just goes, Oh, hi. Hi. It was funny, and then well, they, how much do did you love that he was saving the the girls? Oh yeah, <laughs> that, was like, that was like the first thing they were saving the the girls who had been kidnapped. I liked that the feminist movement was throughout, and I did like how it was not. There were lots of things that we were kind of beaten over the head with. Like they could have had the new king, the new autocrat, say, "Oh, you are my general." No, I'm going to make him my general. I was waiting for that, actually, that moment to say, uh, no, he's down my general because you, I don't like you, female woman. But they didn't. I love that they didn't do that. But they still showed that feminine strength without subjugating women in any way. They still showed the woman bound by duty and then going, uh, no, I'm strong while holding fast to my, my principles. Even while she was saying, yeah, I'm going to kill you, my love. If you go against my king, yeah, that was kind of an awesome moment. That, that was, was a good showdown. Yeah, and I liked how I liked how it was resolved. That he gave in. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's always a good. good, <laughs> good. Note to husbands. He's Note to husbands. Yeah, everywhere. You're right, honey. You're right. That's always the way <laughs> to resolve it. You win. You to one. Whether you're in a Marvel yeah. movie or you're just at home. At home. <laughs> All right. That is our wildly contentious discussion. I felt like I was on the View. White people must die. No, wait. Sorry, I don't mean that. Just kidding. <laughs> what? That wasn't me. Can I say when people say just kidding, they're probably not. That wasn't me. Uh-huh. With, with all due respect. Oh, we just got we just got hacked by Russians. Oh, they're trying to stir up racial <laughs> resentment here oh, in, within the podcast. Damn them. All right. Everywhere. Can't we spray for them? That bug spray from Justice League. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 
She's the one who has the right spray. Yeah, Only right. she does. No, I'm not. We're not going to report her from that shitty franchise. <laughs> you stay there, honey. With so your cheap another, Soviet raid <laughs> ripoff. Another Marvel win. Yeah. Like a, a huge win. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. If it hadn't been for Wonder Woman, I would have just said, DC, give it up. Just stick with making TV shows about your characters and forget trying to get uh, a movie universe going. But Wonder Woman has given, given me hope. Uh, and then Justice League promptly shook that hope. But they, <laughs> they may. They may. But Marvel is really continually stepping it up. The one area that Marvel has lagged behind is is having a female-led superhero film. But as Blanche pointed out, this, this did strike a blow. In There were a lot of very strong, effective uh, female characters in this. And let's hope that's a stepping stone to a female-led Marvel film, because that's really the only place they haven't gone yet. But we'll see. Thanks very much to the new movie crew, John Zura, Blanche Ramirez, Mary Clevenger. Jeff and Mary and I will be back in one week to talk about the 1999 film Deep Blue Sea, popcorn epic about stable genius sharks harassing LL Cool J and his parrot. And until later, don't be a stranger. Just be strange. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. What's on that forever? The revolution will not be televised.